Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the salon. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Fireside. Anthology, a literary podcast. Chapter Six I had a hard time waking up on Sunday, and Marie had to call me and shake me. We didn't eat anything because we wanted to get to the beach early. I felt completely drained and I had a slight headache. My cigarette tasted bitter. Marie made fun of me because she said I had on a funeral face. She had put on a white linen dress and let her hair down. I told her she was beautiful and she laughed with delight. On our way downstairs, we knocked on Raymond's door. He told us he'd be right down. Once, out in the street, because I was so tired, and also because we hadn't opened the blinds, the day, already bright with sun, hit me like a slap in the face. Marie was jumping with joy and kept on saying what a beautiful day it was. I felt a little better and I noticed that I was hungry. I told Marie, who pointed to her oilcloth bag where she'd put our bathing suits in a towel. I just had to wait, and then we heard Raymond shutting his door. He had on blue trousers and a white short-sleeved shirt, but he'd put on a straw hat, which made Marie laugh, and his forearms were all white under the black haze. I found it a little repulsive. He was whistling as he came down the stairs, and he seemed very cheerful. He said, Good morning, old man, to me, and called Marie Madame Bossel. The day before, we'd gone to the police station, and I'd testified that the girl had cheated on Raymond. He'd gotten off with a warning. They didn't check out my statement. Outside the front door, we talked about it with Raymond, and then we decided to take the bus. The beach wasn't very far, but we'd get there sooner that way. Raymond thought his friend would be glad to see us get there early. We were just about to leave when all of a sudden, Raymond motioned to me to look across the street. I saw a group of Arabs leaning against the front of the tobacconist shop. They were staring at us in silence, but in that way of theirs, as if we were nothing but stones or dead trees. Raymond told me that the second one from the left was his man, and he seemed worried. 
But he added, it was all settled now. Marie didn't really understand and asked us what was wrong. I told her that they were Arabs who had it in for Raymond. She wanted to get going right away. Raymond drew himself up and laughed, saying we'd better step on it. We headed toward the bus stop, which wasn't far, and Raymond said that the Arabs weren't following us. I turned around. They were still in the same place, and they were looking with the same indifference at the spot where we'd just been standing. We caught the bus. Raymond, who seemed very relieved, kept on cracking jokes for Marie. I could tell he liked her, but she hardly said anything to him. Every once in a while, she'd look at him and laugh. We got off in the outskirts of Algiers. The beach wasn't very far from the bus stop but we had to cross a small plateau which overlooks the sea and then dropped steeply down to the beach. It was covered with yellowish rocks and the whitest afterstells set against the already hard blue of the sky. Marie was having fun scattering the petals, taking big swipes at them with her oilcloth bag. We walked across the rows of small houses behind green or white fences some with the verandas hidden behind the tamarisk, other hit standing naked among the rocks. Before we reached the edge of the plateau, we could already see the motionless sea and farther out a massive, drowsy-looking promontory in the clear water. The faint hum of a motor rose up to us in the still air, and way off we saw a tiny trawler moving almost imperceptibly across the dazzling sea. Marie gathered some rock irises. From the slope leading down to the beach, we could see that there were already some people swimming. Raymond's friend lived in a little wooden bungalow at the far end of the beach. The back of the house rested up against the rocks, and the pilings that held it up in front went straight down into the water. Raymond introduced us. His friend's name was Masson. He was a big guy, very tall and broad-shouldered, with a plump, sweet little wife with a Parisian accent. Right off, he told us to make ourselves at home and said that his wife had just fried up some fish he'd caught that morning. I told him how nice I thought his house was. He told me that he spent Saturdays and Sundays and all his days off there, with my wife, of course, he added. Just then, his wife was laughing with Marie. For the first time, maybe, I really thought I was going to get married. Masson wanted to go for a swim, but his wife and Raymond didn't want to come. The three of us went down to the beach, and Marie jumped right in. Masson and I waited a little. He spoke slowly, and I noticed that he had a habit of finishing everything he said with, and I'd even say, when really it didn't add anything to the meaning of his sentence. Referring to Marie, he said, she's stunning and I'd even say charming. After that, I didn't pay any more attention to this mannerism of his, because I was absorbed by the feeling that the sun was doing me a lot of good. The sand was starting to get hot underfoot. I held back the urge to get into the water a minute longer. But finally I said to Masson, Shall we? I dove in. He waded in slowly and started swimming only when he couldn't touch bottom anymore. He did the breaststroke, and not too well either, so I left him and joined Marie. 
The water was cold, and I was glad to be swimming. Together again, Marie and I swam out a ways, and we felt a closeness as we moved in unison and were happy. Out in the deeper water, we floated on our backs, and the sun on my upturned face was drawing the last of the water trickling into my mouth. We saw Masson making his way back to the beach to stretch out in the sun. From far away, he looked huge. Marie wanted us to swim together. I got behind her to hold her around the waist. She used her arms to move us forward, and I did the kicking. The little splashing sound followed us through the morning air until I got tired. I left Marie and headed back, swimming smoothly and breathing easy. On the beach, I stretched out on my stomach along the sun and put my face on the sand. I said it was nice, and he agreed. Soon after, Marie came back. I rolled over to watch her coming. She was glistening all over with salty water and holding her hair back. She lay down right next to me, and the combined warmth from her body and from the sun made me doze off. Marie shook me and told me that Masson had gone back up to the house and that it was time for lunch. I got up right away because I was hungry, but Marie told me I hadn't kissed her since that morning. It was true, and yet I had wanted to. Come into the water, she said. We ran and threw ourselves into the first little waves. We swam a few strokes, and she reached out and held on to me. I felt her legs wrapped around mine, and I wanted her. When we got back, Masson was already calling us. I said I was starving. And then out of the blue, he announced to his wife that he liked me. The bread was good. I devoured my share of the fish. After that, there was some meat and fried potatoes. We all ate without talking. Masson drank a lot of wine and kept filling my glass. By the time the coffee came, my head felt heavy and I smoked a lot. Masson, Raymond, and I talked about spending August together at the beach, sharing expenses. Suddenly, Marie said, Do you know what time it is? It's only 11.30. We were all surprised, but Masson said that we'd eaten very early and that it was only natural because lunchtime was when, whenever you were hungry. For some reason, that made Marie laugh. I think she'd had a little too much to drink. Then Masson asked if I wanted to go for a walk on the beach with him. My wife always takes a nap after lunch. Me, I don't like naps. I need to walk. I tell her all the time it's better for her health, but it's her business. Marie said that she'd stay and help Madame Masson with the dishes. The little Parisian said that the first they'd have to get rid of the men. The three of us went down to the beach. The sun was shining almost directly overhead into the sand, and the glare on the water was unbearable. There was no one left on the beach. From inside the bungalows bordering the plateau and jutting out over the water, we could hear the rattling of plates and silverware. It was hard to breathe in the rocky heat rising from the ground. At first, Raymond and Masson discussed people and things I didn't know about. I gathered they'd known each other for a long time, and had even lived together at one point. We headed down to the sea and walked along the water's edge. 
Now and then a little wave would come up higher than the others and wet our canvas shoes. I wasn't thinking about anything because I was half asleep from the sun beating down on my bare head. At that point, Raymond said something to Masson which I didn't quite catch, but at the same time I noticed at the far end of the beach, at a long way from us, two Arabs in blue overall coming our way. I looked at Raymond and he said, it's him. We kept walking. Masson asked how they'd managed to follow us all this way. I thought they must have seen us get on the bus with a beach bag, but I didn't say anything. The Arabs were walking slowly, but they were already much closer. We didn't change our pace, but Raymond said, If there's any trouble, my son, you take the other one. I'll take care of my man. Masoud, if another one shows up, he's yours. I said yes, and Masson put his hands in his pockets. The blazing sand looked red to me now. We moved steadily toward the Arabs. The distance between us was getting shorter and shorter. When we were just a few steps away from each other, the Arabs stopped. Masson and I slowed down. Raymond went right up to his man. I couldn't hear what he said to him, but the other guy made a move as though he were going to butt him. Then Raymond struck the first blow and called Masson right away. Masson went for the one that had been pointed out as his and hit him twice as hard as he could. The Arabs fell flat in the water, face down, and laid there for several seconds. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Bursting on the surface around his head. Meanwhile, Raymond had landed one too, and the other Adam's face was bleeding. Raymond turned to me and said, Watch this. I'm going to let him have it now. I shouted, Look out! He's got a knife! But Raymond's arm had already been cut open and his mouth slashed. Masson lunged forward. But the other Arab had gotten back up and gone around behind the one with the knife. We didn't dare move. They started backing off slowly without taking their eyes off of us, keeping us at bay with the knife. When they thought they were far enough away, they took off running as fast as they could while we stood there motionless in the sun and Raymond clutched at his arm dripping with blood. Masson immediately said there was a doctor who spent his Sundays up on the plateau. Raymond wanted to go see him right away, but every time he tried to talk, the blood bubbled in his mouth. We studied him and made our way back to the bungalow as quickly as we could. Once there, Raymond said that they were only flesh wounds and that he could make it to the doctors. He left with Masson and I stayed to explain to the women what had happened. Madame Masson was crying, and Marie was very pale. I didn't like having to explain to them, so I just shut up, smoked a cigarette, and looked at the sea. Raymond came back with Masson around 1.30. His arm was bandaged up, and he had an adhesive plaster on the corner of his mouth. The doctor had told him that it was nothing, but Raymond looked pretty grim. Masson tried to make him laugh, but he still wouldn't say anything. When he said he was going down to the beach... I asked him where he was going. He said he wanted to get some air. Masson and I said we'd go with him, but that made him angry, and he swore at us. Masson said not to argue with him. I followed him anyway. We walked on the beach for a long time. By now, the sun was overpowering. It shattered into little pieces on the sand and water. I had the impression that Raymond knew where he was going but I was probably wrong. At the far end of the beach, we finally came to a little spring running down through the sand behind a large rock. There we found our two Arabs. They were lying down in their greasy overalls. They seemed perfectly calm and almost content. Our coming changed nothing. The one who had attacked Raymond was looking at him without saying anything. The other one was blowing through a little reed over and over again, watching us out of the corner of his eye. He kept repeating the only three notes he could get out of his instrument. The whole time, there was nothing but the sun and the silence and the low gurgling from the spring and the three notes. Then Raymond put his hand in his hip pocket, but the others didn't move. They just kept looking at each other. I noticed that the toes on the one playing the flute were tensed. But without taking his eye off his adversary, Raymond asked me, 
Should I let him have it? I thought that if I had said no, he'd get himself all worked up and shoot for sure. All I said was, he hasn't said anything yet. It'd be pretty lousy to shoot him like that. You could still hear the sound of the water and the flute deep within the silence and the heat. Then Raymond said, So I'll call him something, and when he answers back, I'll let him have it. I answered, Right. But if he doesn't draw his knife, you can't shoot. Raymond started getting worked up. The other Arab went on playing, and both of them were watching every move Raymond made. No, I said to Raymond. Take him on man to man and give me your gun. If the other one moves in, or if he draws his knife, I'll let him have it. The sun glinted off Raymond's gun as he handed it to me, but we just stood there motionless, as if everything had closed in around us. We stared at each other without blinking, and everything came to a stop there between the sea, the sand, and the sun, and the double silence of the flute and the water. It was then that I realized that you could either shoot or not shoot. But all of a sudden, the Arabs, backing away, slipped behind the rock. So Raymond and I turned and headed back the way we'd come. He seemed better and talked about the bus back. I went with him as far as the bungalow, and as he climbed the wooden steps, I just stood there at the bottom, my head ringing from the sun, unable to face the effort it would take to climb the wooden staircase and face the woman again. But the heat was so intense that it was just as bad standing still in the blinding stream falling from the sky. To stay or to go, it amounted to the same thing. A minute later, I turned back toward the beach and started walking. There was the same dazzling red glare. The sea gasped for air which each swallow stifled little waves that broke on the sand. I was walking slowly toward the rocks and I could feel my forehead swelling under the sun. All that heat was pressing down on me and making it hard for me to go on. And every time I felt a blast of its hot breath strike my face, I gritted my teeth clenched my fist in my trouser pockets and strained every nerve in order to overcome the sun and the thick drunkenness it was spilling over me. With every blade of light that flashed off the sand from a bleached shell or a piece of broken glass, my jaws tightened. I walked for a long time. From a distance, I could see the small dark mask of rock surrounding by a blinding halo of light and the sea spray. I was thinking of the cool spring behind the rock. I wanted to hear the murmur of its water again, to escape the sun and the strain and the women's tears and to find shade and rest again at last. But as I got closer, I saw that Raymond's man had come back. He was alone. He was lying on his back with his hands behind his head his forehead in the shade of the rock, the rest of his body in the sun. His blue overalls seemed to be steaming in the heat. I was a little surprised. As far as I was concerned, the whole thing was over, and I had gone there without even thinking it. 
As soon as he saw me, he sat up a little and put his hand in his pocket. Naturally, I gripped Raymond's gun inside my jacket. Then he laid back again, but without taking his hand out of his pocket. I was pretty far away from him, about ten meters or so. I could tell he was glancing at me now and then through half-closed eyes. But most of the time he was just a form shimmering before my eyes in the fiery air. The sound of the waves was even lazier, more drawn out than at noon. It was the same sun, the same light still shining on the same sand as before. For two hours the day had stood still. For two hours it had been anchored in a sea of molten lead. On the horizon a tiny steamer went by, and I made out the black dot from the corner of my eye because I hadn't stopped watching the Arab. It occurred to me that all I had to do was turn around and that would be the end of it. But the whole beach, throbbing in the sun, was pressing on my back. I took a few steps toward the spring. The Arab didn't move. Besides, he was still pretty far away. Maybe it was the shadows on his face, but it looked like he was laughing. I waited. The sun was starting to burn my cheeks, and I could feel drops of sweat gathering in my eyebrows. The sun was the same as it had been the day I'd buried Maman, and like then, my forehead especially was hurting me, all the veins in it throbbing under the skin. It was this burning which I couldn't stand anymore that made me move forward. I knew that it was stupid, that I wouldn't get the sun off me by stepping forward. But I took a step, one step, forward. And this time, without getting up, the Arab drew his knife and held it up to me in the sun. The light shut off the steel, and it was like a long, flashing blade cutting at my forehead. At the same instant, the sweat in my eyebrows dripped down over my eyelids all at once and covered them with a warm, thick film. My eyes were blinded behind the curtain of tears and salt. All I could feel were the symbols of sunlight crashing on my forehead and indistinctly the dazzling spear flying up from the knife in front of me. The scorching blade slashed at my eyelashes and stabbed at my stinging eyes. That's when everything began to reel. The sea carried up a thick, fiery breath. It seemed to me as if the sky split open from one end to the other to rain down fire. My whole being tensed, and I squeezed my hand around the revolver. The trigger gave. I felt the smooth underside of the butt, and there, in that noise, sharp and deafening at the same time, is where it all started. I shook off the sweat and the sun. I knew that I had shattered the harmony of the day the exceptional silence of a beach where I'd been happy. Then I'd fired four more times at the motionless body where the bullets lodged without leaving a trace. And it was like knocking four quick times at the door of unhappiness. listening if you enjoyed the episode and you're so inclined uh, please help get the word out 
share the episode with a friend, share the podcast with a friend. Uh, You can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you would like an uninterrupted listening experience, you can become a patron of the show. Uh, That is patreon.com slash firesideampho. Some other benefits to becoming a patron of the arts include bonus episodes, early release episodes, and cool merch. Really, the possibilities are endless. Um, If you can, give us five stars on iTunes. It just helps other people find the show. Um, Or just keep doing what you're doing right now. We'll see you again. Take care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.